This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm going to share some really very enlightening and startling statistics about how the death rate from COVID-19 is actually very, very low if you rule out people who are like in nursing homes and senior citizen centers, uh, which have just been decimated in some parts of the country because, you know, the people are old and they have underlying conditions. And you probably know that I wrote this book called God, Trump, and COVID-19. And uh, I wrote it uh, during, in three weeks during the month of April. And, uh, of course, when this happened, uh, the authorities were saying that, you know, this pandemic was going to be as bad as the one in 1918. Some people were even making it sound like it might be like the Black Death in Europe uh, many years ago. We just didn't know what to expect. A uh, number I remember is that 2 million Americans could die of this, and we didn't really know how it was transmitted. We didn't know who had it. Uh, it was really very frightening, and you know, our authorities uh, responded by saying that we basically had to have a lockdown. The people had to go into quarantine. They needed to stay in their homes. They called them stay-in-place orders, shelter-in-place, those kind of terms. And none of us had ever lived through anything like this. And most Americans, in fact, you know, with just very, very few exceptions, everybody went along with this. The schools were closed. The churches were closed. Many businesses were closed. And uh, just businesses that were called essential were allowed to continue. Then we began to get the feeling that maybe we weren't hearing the whole truth. We started hearing that these models that were, you know, projecting all these deaths maybe weren't right, that, you know, the right statistics weren't being put in. There was a model from England. I don't have the information in front of me, but it was shown that the uh, person who did this had just been wrong on a whole variety of things over the years, yet uh, when everybody was afraid, they were taking this model and using it to justify some of these shutdowns. But a good friend of mine, a preacher friend of mine, who uh, I would say his name, except I didn't ask him if I could. So he sent me this article from The Blaze just a couple of days ago. It's by Daniel Horowitz. It was an op-ed. And, you know, the headline says, the CDC confirms remarkably low coronavirus death rate. Where is the media? And I asked the same question. In fact, I was tuning into the news, kind of flipping the channels and very, very, very little was said about this, but the CDC has just come out with a report that is earth-shadowing, yet uh, there's all this vital data, and it's not getting out to the public. And so uh, they're saying that for the first time, uh, the likely number of deaths could be as low as 0.26%. Official estimate is 0.4%. And this is far, far lower than what they had said before. Uh, there was a time when the World Health Organization was saying that 3.4% of those who are infected with COVID-19 would die. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to do the arithmetic in my head, but that's like 10 times more than have died. And that would be devastating. It really would. Um, you know, early on, people were saying that, uh, you know, we have an, a lot of deaths from the common flu. Now, that's not something we hear about a lot in the news, and the flu season is worse some years than others. Um, 
But I think that it's fair to say that 30, 40, 50, 60,000 people a year die of the flu, depending on how bad, bad the year is. That is less than have what uh, died from COVID-19. But COVID-19 is a novel coronavirus that nobody ever heard of before um, that turned out to be highly contagious and it was spread around the world from China, uh, partly because China lied. And this is something I go into with God, Trump, and COVID-19. I have a whole chapter about China and the speculation of uh, how it started. In fact, in early February, uh, before uh, you know, the, the shutdown happened in our area right around the middle of March. I would say in the first week or two of March, uh, I began to become aware that this was a real possibility. Uh, my 91-year-old mother was rushed to the emergency room on March 10th. Uh, she was dehydrated, and uh, so they pumped her full of fluids, and they also discovered a, a UTI, which had not been diagnosed, and they sent her back. Of course, as soon as I found out that she went down there in the ambulance, I went down to the emergency room. And as recently as March 10th, nobody at that hospital was talking about it. There were no restrictions. Nobody was wearing a mask. Nobody was afraid that, you know, somebody might have the virus. Because about a week later, it got really bad because I thought, boy, if my mother had gone into the emergency room now, you know, a lot of that would have changed. So anyway, I have sort of a clear recollection of when this happened. A month before that, I was doing some podcasts. In fact, you can look them up on the uh, Charisma Podcast Network. All my podcasts are in order uh, by date. And you can look at uh, my Frank, Frank Media, uh, actually gave me kind of a scoop. Uh, he was wanting to release this to the press and wanted to do it through um, Charisma News. And of course, we like a scoop. I write about this in the book, but there was no way we could verify what was going on in China. We don't have staff over there. We don't speak the language. The, you know, China is run by the Communist Party. Uh, they suppress everything. But uh, Frank had some sources in America who I later interviewed. They were getting information via the internet, email, and so forth uh, from people in China that were saying that the death rate in China was far worse than they were saying. Because, you know, at first they were saying that it was not contagious, it did not go human to human, and they were, you know, saying it was contained to Wuhan, all those kinds of things. You know, the irony is when you find out how they suppressed it. In fact, there were a couple of whistleblowers. I also go into this in the book. Uh, one of them, Dr. Lee, a relatively young man, actually died of the coronavirus, but he and seven others who were discussing this on the internet. Um, and kind of publicizing it, they were actually arrested. They were forced to sign a confession that they were wrong. And, you know, of course, it, not very long after that, uh, the Chinese government could not cover this up anymore. And Dr. Li, uh, you know, allegedly died of the virus. There are some people who uh, think maybe he was killed by the government. You know, that does sound like a conspiracy theory, but with everything going on, the thing is that some of these conspiracy theories turn out to be right. You know, it's like, who can we trust? The government says one thing, and then later on you find out it's entirely different. Uh, today I was in the gym. The gyms have opened up here in Florida, and uh, several of us were kind of talking about this and how they were saying, you know, don't wear masks, and then later they were saying wear masks, and, you know, they were 
saying wash your hands all the time and use disinfected, which, you know, uh, we're still trying to do. But now they're saying that the germs die relatively quickly on surfaces. And so that's not easy to get it. I guess maybe it's possible, but it's not easy. So uh, in my book, I go into this thing about the Chinese government. The things that were that really sounded like a conspiracy theory because they were saying that it did not start from a wet market, which is the term you hear used. It's kind of like a seafood market or it's a market where the meat is outside and it's raw. I've never been to one, but I've seen pictures of it. Uh, several of the people, this is all documented in the book, several of the, the first group of people that were diagnosed, several of them had been to the wet market, but a number of them never had been. And they said that it really came out of a bio lab where they were uh, collecting coronaviruses because there are many coronaviruses. SARS is a coronavirus. I'm not a scientist, um, you know, so don't hold me to all the details. I'm just trying to explain what my research has led me to believe. But um, they were studying all these coronaviruses with the idea of trying to create vaccines and everything. At least that's that's the humanitarian official reason they were doing. There are some, especially those who are very, very suspicious of the Chinese Communist Party, which I think there's good reason to be suspicious of any Communist Party, that they, they may have also been using them for military means. Uh, we, we don't know exactly what happened. In February, we didn't really report this. We had no way to document it. Uh, since then, U.S. Uh, Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas has been very vocal about this biolab and a number of other people. And I think that most people now think that it came from there, either accidentally or on purpose. And pro probably time will tell, or maybe we'll just never know. But anyway, I'm just talking about the, what was happening in China. And it was just interesting that later on, even as I was finishing the book, uh, I put some of this in there. I, I sort of separated what is generally believed to be true as opposed to things that really do sound like a uh, conspiracy theory. But I said, you know, isn't it interesting that this is what was going out from common people on the internet? And I want it here just because it's interesting. And time will tell if maybe these people are right because the information I got actually named names. I left the names out because these are people we don't know, but I put in the actual initials, so if it turns out to be true. Anyway, someone told me uh, who read the book uh, that the, the part about China was actually uh, the most interesting part of the book to him, and I hope that you'll find that to be true. But also in the book, I'll just mention this before I get back to the statistics from Horowitz, but uh, there's a lot about the spiritual aspect. and. There are some prophets that were prophesying early that it wouldn't be nearly as bad as they were saying. You know, the thing is that with prophecy, it's hard to be real, real precise looking ahead in the same way you can be when you're looking with 2020 hindsight. And there were a couple prophets that said, uh, used the word pa Passover. And it was not over at Passover. In fact, it's not over yet. And I asked the question, when will we know when it's ever over? You know, is it that there's no cases in the world or there's a vaccine or whatever? But anyway, it did switch right around Easter and Passover. And I believe that the prophets are right. I go into a lot of details. I try to 
I give disclaimers. I try to explain all this kind of stuff. And the reader will have to decide for yourself what it is. But let me get back to uh, why I started this uh, podcast. Of course, when I get talking, I can get off on a rabbit trail fairly quick. But uh, I was saying that Horowitz uh, reported, and this was on The Blaze, it was on May 25th, 2020, that the World Health Organization estimated that it would be 3.4% deaths. And if I'm reading this right, it's now looking like it's 0.4%. That's 40% of 1%. That's four in a thousand, um, which instead of, uh, I'm hoping I'm doing that, it would have been 34 per thousand, um, which is significantly less. And then if you adjust it, for uh, people who may have had the virus but were asymptomatic, so they weren't really diagnosed in quite the same way, the fatality rate may be as low, according to this article, as 0.2%. It's two-tenths of 1%. It's below 1%. And this was some statistics that came from Stanford University. But then, if you take that at least half the deaths were in nursing homes, uh, and this author says that a, ba- a back-of-the-envelope estimate would show that the infection fatality rate for non-nursing home residents would be only 0.1%. That's 10% of 1%, or 1 in 1,000. And that includes people of all ages and all health statuses outside of nursing homes. You know, the problem is that when you get into a nursing home, or in my mother's case, she lives in what's called assisted living. It's not really a nursing home. but you know, she's there, they provide the food, and they have nursing care, and they help them with their medicine, and, you know, whatever they need. But a nursing home is almost like a hospital, you know, where people are almost bedridden. But when you get all those old people together, and you get a virus of any kind, whether it's a common flu or a common cold, you know, the infection rate can just go through that population. And these people uh, who already are in very poor health have no real way to fight it. And um, our governor here in Florida, Ron DeSantis, uh, very quickly locked down the homes. And I know this to be true because my mother's in one and we haven't been able to get in to see her. Now, in my case, uh, she has an outside entrance and windows and a door. And I actually visit her. I stand outside the door. I call her on the telephone and we look at each other through the window and we talk on the telephone. And I, I'm careful to take my mask, and I don't talk to anybody, and I don't touch anything. <laughs> and um, I've actually seen in the news, in fact, I saw in the news that somebody did that. That's what kind of gave me the idea. And there doesn't seem to be a problem. In her facility, they have been very, very careful. They're, they're just wonderful, wonderful people, and they're taking very good care, and no one's gotten sick. But in places like New York, uh, where the governor ordered that people who were in the hospital and I guess they were good enough to get off the ventilator or whatever, but they, you know, they still, I guess, could infect people. They, that the nursing homes had to take them back. And they've had more people uh, die. I'm sure you can look up the statistics. I don't have them in front of me, but I remember that more people have died in nursing homes in New Jersey and New York than in Florida, Texas, and Illinois, and, and Ohio, and uh, all put together. And um, Florida has a population bigger than New York. It's not a whole lot bigger, but we've passed New York. 
yet our uh, number of cases and the number of deaths has been a small fraction. And this was in spite of the fact that the Super Bowl was down here in Florida in February when this was just starting to spread, in spite of the fact that we have international airports, um, you know, some pretty big airports, including Orlando, where I live, and Miami, and Tampa. You know, we get lots of people from all parts of the world, you know, mainly South America and Europe. But this virus really spread because of the airlines. And so many people had gone to China for the Chinese New Year in February. And, uh, you know, just tens and tens of thousands of people. And a lot of them were Chinese people who lived in different parts of the world who went home for this, you know, huge, it's, you know, it's their biggest holiday of the year, of course. and. Um, it was interesting after the fact to find out that the Chinese shut down all flights from Wuhan to other parts of China. They did that fairly quickly. They did not stop international flights until much, much later. And so they did not want it to spread through other parts of China, but they didn't seem concerned about the rest of the world. I think that China is going to have to be um, held accountable. And that is starting to happen. Uh, some people are calling it the Chinese coronavirus, and I like to use that term too. But uh, you know, you get used to hearing it called COVID nineteen, and um, but really, we ought to call it the Chinese uh, coronavirus, and uh, because that's where it originated. And China was not honest with the rest of the world; they covered it up. Like I said, they actually uh, arrested, not only arrested, but made them sign a confession. You know, which obviously they didn't believe, but, you know, what were they going to do in a communist country like that? Now, I want to get back to this report. It's very interesting. You could Google it. Just look for uh, The Blaze and maybe um, uh, Daniel Horowitz or even the headline, The CDC Confirms Remarkably Low Coronavirus Death Rate. If you do that, it'll pop up and you can read it for yourself. But this was startling. And when I read this, I thought, I need to do a podcast on this. But, you know, I've already uh, quoted from them, and I'm having to assume that they did their homework. Uh, you know, I try to be a careful journalist, uh, but this has, this re with the research I've done, with the book I've written, with all the, I keep up with the news, it, it has the ring of authenticity. But you say, here, here's another one. It says that the CDC estimates the death rate for COVID-19 for those under 50 is 1 in 5,000. However, if people have symptoms, it would be, if you included the ones with symptoms, it would be 1 in 6,725. But again, almost all those who die have specific underlying conditions. Those without those conditions are more likely to die in a car accident. And school children whose lives, mental health, and education are being destroyed are more likely to get struck by lightning. Now, if that is true, and surely someone's going to check that out, if that is true, it is startling. Now, we have lightning down here in Florida. In fact, I think it's worse than <laughs> uh, different parts of the country just because of the nature of the storms coming in off the ocean and so forth. But they're not going to, and, you know, I don't know how many children are hit by lightning, but they don't shut down schools over it. They don't shut down schools because of car wrecks. 
In fact, if they outlawed all cars, we could eliminate death by automobile. And I, if I remember correctly, it's about 50,000 people a year die in car wrecks. And every single time you and I get in our car, we run the risk of dying in a car wreck, even if you're a safe driver. Somebody's car may go out of control and, and uh, they hit you and you have nothing you can do to stop it. There's a certain amount of risk that we have to live in this country. And what's happened is that the bureaucrats in the health industry uh, and the government officials, you know, trying to keep us safe, I guess, have reached out to the health officials. You know, we want to do what's right, but we've been lied to. We've been lied to. And then they shut everything down. And now that it's showing that it's not nearly that bad, they seem very, very reluctant to open things up. And the interesting thing is the more conservative parts of the country that generally have Republican uh, governors, although there's an exception in Kentucky, which is quite conservative, but they have this knucklehead um, governor named Brashear, um, I hope I said his name right, um, who's actually shutting down the churches and they've done injunctions in some instances that have been court cases. Uh, I've done a couple of podcasts on it. It's just awful what they've done. And, um, you know, if you look on the Strang Report or on uh, God Trump in 2020 election, you can see some of the podcasts that I've done on this because, um, and, you know, this is a subject for another day and this podcast is almost over. But what's happened with the idea of not being around crowds? You know, the thing about crowds is if you're around a crowd, there may be somebody infected, and in that crowd, they can infect a whole lot of people. That is a danger. But you know what? We can take precautions, stay away from each other, not touch each other, even wear a mask. There are times I wear a mask. I'm not afraid of this virus, but I want to be a responsible citizen, and I want to make a signal to the people around me that you know, I'm being careful. But if we do that, we can handle these risks, but they've shut down churches. And as I've said in my podcast before, and has been reported by others as well, um, you know, the liquor stores were considered essential and the churches were considered non-essential. Two people who might go to the same church could go in the grocery store and pass each other in the aisle, but it's not safe for them to pass each other in the lobby of the church. Think about it. The grocery stores and Home Depot and the other stores that are open do not have a constitutional right to be open. We have a constitutional right for freedom of worship. We have that. Our rights do not go on hold when there's a crisis. Now, there are crises of various kinds. Churches are sometimes closed. We've had several hurricanes down here in Florida on Sundays. When that's the case, there's a curfew. Everybody has to stay home. Nobody goes to Walmart. Nobody goes to Home Depot. Nobody's on the street, period. And then after a day or two, the storm is over, and of course it's safe to move around, and of course we have to clean up all the damage. In California, they have wildfires, and there have been some really, really bad ones. And if that's the case, and if the church is in the uh, line of the fire, of course they're not going to have a service. But, it, you know, they don't make churches in the other part of the state shut down just because there's a forest or a, you know, a wildfire in another part of the state. 
And it just shows that some of these politicians who are leftists, I call them leftists because they're way left of center, are seeming to enjoy the power a little too much to regulate this. In some cases, it's unelected health officials who are calling the shots. I did a podcast on this in uh, Ventura, California, with my friend Joel Kilpatrick, who is just outraged by the whole thing. And Joel emailed me and told me that uh, the podcast was really passed around, and uh, he said it encouraged some of the uh, people locally that this had been picked up, you know, by national media. You know, we're in Florida, we're not in California, and our podcasts go everywhere, and we've had 2.5 million people read, uh, you know, listen to them so far this year. And, um, you know, I was just kind of doing what I could do to get the word out. And also, I knew it was an interesting story. And he said there the officials have backed off because it was kind of an outcry. And he said that the podcast actually encouraged people that they weren't being weird, you know, that this was an issue. Of course, Joel and I talked about it. You can listen to the podcast yourself if you're curious. So, you know, I'm just sharing my thoughts. I don't do this very often. Usually I'm interviewing someone, but I just felt when I read this that it is more likely that a child will be killed by lightning. And uh, it's funny what we think about statistics because the lightning example reminds me of something I heard when there was a big debate down here in Florida, should we have a state lottery? And um, one of the people that was fighting the lottery said that the uh, there's more chance that you'll be hit and killed by lightning than there is that you'll win a million-dollar jackpot in the Florida lottery. But it's funny about human nature. Everybody thinks they're going to win the million-dollar jackpot. That's why people buy lottery tickets. No one thinks that they're going to be the one killed by lightning. It's just interesting how that works, isn't it? <laughs> but, um, you know, and uh, again, let me say, I'm glad the officials are trying to be careful, but it'd be like the governor shutting everything down because we had a hurricane and it being shut down six months later just because it was really bad for a few days. Of course not. We need to get back to normal. We need to get our economy back to normal. We need to get our religious liberties back to normal. And it's even more reason, in my opinion, to support Donald Trump at this next, next election. Because the left is showing its true colors. They are not uh, supportive of religious freedom. In fact, uh, one person I talked to said that he believes, and maybe I should do a podcast on this, but that uh, some of the governors are actually punishing the church people because they know the church people didn't support them. Uh, because when they're kind of extreme, of course, the people who go to church tend to be more conservative as a group. Um, and they, you know, it's often known because it's reported in the press who supports what. If that happens, that's just terrible. And I think, in fact, I'm going to go on some kind of campaign that we need to identify the worst offenders and that we need to punish them at election time by voting them out of office. That's how we do things in America. And when we get people that, that oppose our constitutional rights, we have got to vote them out of office. And if they're appointed, we need to vote out the people who appoint them. And if we do that, a lot of this nonsense will stop. If we don't do it, they're going to find out they can get away with it. They're going to find out that the church and other conservatives are very passive and just kind of go along. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse. So those are things I can talk about in other podcasts. I just wanted to 
share this with you, share you my thoughts, talk a little bit about my book, God, Trump, and COVID-19. I just got uh, notified today that Walmart is starting to open up a little bit, and they ordered a pretty good number of copies from Walmart and Sam's. Of course, the whole supply chain in the publishing world has been all disrupted, but the online uh, book uh, sellers can, you know, of course, still continue to sell it. And you can also get it from my website, which is called stevestrangbooks.com. We have some special prices there. And also, if you buy it from us, I will sign the book personally. And uh, hopefully that's an incentive. Some people like to get uh, autographs uh, by authors. And over the last several years, I've done a lot of autograph signings, uh, you know, at uh, conventions and different things. This one, uh, uh, I signed them ahead of time, and, and those are the ones we send out, of course, as the orders come in one by one. So thank you for tuning in, listening to this podcast. It was a little longer today than normal, but as you can tell, I feel very strongly about this, so strongly I wrote this book, God, Trump, and COVID-19. And don't forget to get the original, or the first book, I should say, God, Trump, and the 2020 election, and share it with your friends. and. Uh, if you, if you like the book, be sure to leave us a good review as well. Thank you for listening to my podcast today. Tune in again tomorrow on the Charisma Podcast Network.